John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that Boston next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mears. Now Duffy out They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, from South Florida to Venice, California. Good Monday to you, May 25th, 2020. It's episode 251 of the Anik and Florian podcast. You ever had a shot of Bacardi 151, Ken Flo, in your life? Bacardi one, I'm sure at some point. I don't know about a shot, maybe like a little fruity drink. Right, little, that's kind of more tickle. my style. Right. I think yeah. if you're going to, uh, 151 proof on the alcohol, maybe a little sprinkle is better than doing <laughs> an ounce and a half of it. Right. Right. Exactly. A little slow off the top today. Uh, Memorial Day here in the United States. And this is obviously a big holiday here as we pay tribute to those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Freedom, of course, is not free. And many of us have a free day today on this Monday and this holiday because of people who gave their lives for that very cause. So I got my Brian Stan Navy football jersey on today, and we salute all the military members, past, present, future, off the top today. A lot of our audience is in the military right now, you know, so I uh, certainly wanted to acknowledge those masses off the top. Also want to acknowledge Ken Flo, who is celebrating a birthday tomorrow. I kind of wish we had the May 26th show this week, but uh, <laughs> big birthday for you tomorrow. You got your Anakin Florian podcast sweatshirt. I, I sure do. I sure do. A little gift to myself. Uh, it's going to be 44, kid. It's amazing. Full, full. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we are old fucking men. TJ's Crazy. bitching before the show. Thankfully, he doesn't have COVID-19, but he's 36 years old, and it's like, bro, you, you don't even know the half <laughs> of being born in the 1970s, you know? I'd take 36 right now. I God, felt like I was I in my prime days. at 36 right around there, though. You know, yeah. I was kind of a late bloomer. So right, right. 44 is like in my mind, like I'm like eh, 40, maybe 39. Yeah, so, I it, met you. You were like 31. You look like 24. <laughs> All right. So coming up in about 10 minutes, UFC featherweight contender Calvin Cater out of Methuen, Massachusetts. He'll join us and uh, we will close out the show today with top bantamweight contender Corey Sanhagen in the middle. We will get predictions on UFC fight night. Woodley versus Burns. I'm very excited for this main event coming up five days from now in Las Vegas, Nevada. But a lot to get to off the top today. Before we get to uh, to Boston's Cater, let's get to headlines. Headlines. It's time for headlines. I have some very urgent and important breaking news. Headlines. On the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, Ken Flo, I got three topics for you today. You're going to tell me which one you want to discuss, and if we do exhaust that topic before Cater, we will move on to your second choice. So topic number one, Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. I had a chance to ask UFC President Dana White about that very fight last Friday, so we'll see if you want to talk about that. Topic number two, some tweets about the greatest of all time from Conor McGregor over the weekend, suggesting really essentially that by the end of his career, he will be firmly entrenched in that conversation, if not be the greatest of all time. Mm -hmm. uh, and I kind of got involved in the conversation now, have a bunch of people coming at me. Uh, and topic number three, reports are that bare knuckle fighting championship is set to offer Mike Tyson north of $20 million to come back at age 53. That'll make you feel young. Uh, and he could potentially fight Vanderlei Silva. So you want Tyson McGregor in Ganu Jones. Be the program director, kid. Where are we oh starting? my God. Those, those are juicy ones, man. Uh, let's talk about Ngannou, uh and Jones, because I, I feel like that's a fight that people would like to see. And it seems like Dana's not interested. So 
what did he say about that? I, I didn't get a chance to see that. So he was short-winded, and a lot of people are asking journalistically why I didn't follow up. You know, it's not yeah. like I work for some media outlet. I wanted to make it a point to ask him about that fight, right? That was clear by ESPN. We asked him about that fight. It didn't really pique his interest, at least right now. Perhaps that's negotiating on his side. We saw John Jones go public trying to bring their negotiation public. Clearly, Ngannou and Jones both want the fight. The fans want the fight. Um, but at least, according to Dana, now does not appear to be the time. Uh, you know, you, you got to wonder why. Listen, if that's a fight that people want to see, Dana completely understands that. I think it has more to do with, you know, killing the fact that Francis Ngannou can fight for a belt in the heavyweight division. You know, are you going to take away uh, that opportunity from Francis Ngannou to not be a champion or maybe Dana's waiting for him to be potentially a world champion in that division, then put together that fight against John Jones, because for him to lose, um, I think it would cause people to potentially lose interest in a Francis Ngannou, Stipe Miocic fight or a Francis Ngannou, Daniel Cormier fight, whoever wins that fight in the future. So I think when you get two people that are kind of like this or at the top of their game, um, I think the UFC probably wants to be pretty careful about maybe killing one of those stars, right? No, I think that's smart. And to have those guys compete in a non-title fight without championship stakes probably doesn't make a lot of sense. To your point, Ngannou is right on the cusp of competing for a heavyweight yeah. title. Most believe his next fight will be for that title. And then, of course, John Jones. I mean, there are fights out there for him at 205 pounds. So unlike Masvidal and Diaz, Kenny, in the BMF championship situation, you're not plucking a champion or a potential number one contender. Right, and what does that do to John Jones if he goes out and gets knocked out by Ngannou, you know, on the other side of things? So, yeah, I think that's a tricky fight business-wise uh, for the UFC. Two big stars that I think they want to keep them at the top of their game. And I think they need clarity and at least finality in terms of the date for the trilogy fight between Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier, and that is going to determine right. the immediate future for Francis Ngannou. So, quick thing on this McGregor, and then we'll get to Mike Tyson. Let's so, basically, Connor was just talking about some of his credentials. And I have said on this podcast repeatedly, and I think there are a lot of people out there coming at me on Twitter who maybe don't listen to the show. And so I'm hoping they do where we have a longer format to discuss these things. My point on Conor McGregor, Kenny, is not that he's the greatest of all time. He is distance behind George St. Pierre and John Jones. And I'm sure there are other names you could throw into the conversation because he doesn't have the volume championship wins, UFC title fight wins. But Conor's point is that his body of work is not, respected to the degree to which it should as a fighter, as a striker, as a master of distance management, as a closer, as a finisher. That's the only point. You know, Conor McGregor has 22 pro wins. 20 of them are finishes. John Jones and George St. Pierre are the guys who most people consider the greatest of all time, even though I don't even like this fucking debate, but I just want to get this off my chest, mm -hmm. right? Those are the guys people consider because of all the title fight wins. Those guys also have double digit decision wins in the yeah. UFC. So that is a part of Conor's point. And uh, I just wanted to provide that clarity. I think it's an interesting conversation, at least from Conor McGregor's standpoint, that no one seems to respect the body of work because he is now larger than life. Absolutely. I, I think there's something to be said uh, when a contender goes in there in the number one spot and not only wins the belt, wins it easily and finishes that opponent and makes them look silly. And and he has certainly done that both in his title fight at 145 pounds against Jose Aldo. It was a, a quick knockout. Uh, the other one against Eddie Alvarez, where he absolutely dominated, made a true veteran and legend like Eddie Alvarez 
looked like it was maybe his UFC debut. And, and I think that's what makes it so impressive. When you see that kind of disparity in skill between a contender and a guy who has been right. a champion and been fighting for a long time, that absolutely counts for something. Now, does he have the consistency and the amount of wins? Has he defended those titles? No, he hasn't. Right, right. But for him to go out there and dominate other champions consist- consistently, he's got to be in the conversation as a guy who, I mean, clearly he's changed the game. Right. But a- as far as his skill and what he's done, um, you know, th- that's a guy who has accomplished a lot. There's no doubt about it. And and because Connor talks so much and he gets all this other attention outside of the octagon, people forget about how damn skillful he is. That's all I'm saying, really. And Demetrius Johnson's a good guy to talk to because he'll be the first right. to tell you and, and to sing Connor's praises uh, as far as being one of the most elite strikers uh, in UFC history. But that's just uh, my two cents on that. Uh, Mike Tyson, so uh, looks great at 53 Oof. years of age. I mean, if you're going shirts and skins, if I'm Mike Tyson, <laughs> I want to be skins. You know, I want to be skins. I remember being a kid. I'm like, please be fucking shirts. Please be fucking shirts. Got it. Wax my back. I want to be shirts. But, Kenny, this is incredible, right? And there's been a lot of talk with with The Last Dance and Michael Jordan and this great documentary, how Michael Jordan did not have the benefit of social media. And had he had that, could you imagine the star power, right? Imagine Mike Tyson, right? But Mike Tyson has sort of bridged that divide and still just seems very relevant with the modern-day athletes, certainly when it comes to this UFC roster, many of whom have, you know, broken bread with him, so to speak. I'm talking about a blunt, but... The guy is super relevant still, training with Rafael Cordero, and if bare knuckle boxing uh, or bare knuckle fighting championship has north of twenty million, Tyson might be back. What do you think, man? Well, first of all, there's so much to unpack there. Uh, the fact that there might be a potential fight against Vanderlei Silva—that's interesting. Yeah. Not only because that's an interesting fight, but also Rafael Cordero, of course, former teammate and coach right. of Vanderlei Silva. That makes things very interesting. Um, he looks in phenomenal shape. And Mike Tyson, what I love about this guy is um, he was such a dynamic fighter, right? And he, uh, an amazing champion, uh, a guy who was, you know, the, the shortest or I think the shortest uh, heavyweight champion of, of all time. Um, and the way that he was able to get on the inside and just destroy people um, is, you know, second to none out there. The fact that he also has it seems like dealt with a lot of demons since he's been away from the sport, really looked into himself um, and analyzed himself and has kind of created this new kind of character, this this Mike Tyson that is now seemingly at peace, but also now kind of looked back at Mike Tyson, the fighter, because there was a long time where he didn't even want to put a glove on, hit a bag, do anything. He's been through so much throughout his life. And I think this is a Mike Tyson that has really come full circle and, um, he, lo- I saw him hit the pads against Rafael. I mean, he looked scary. <laughs> Would you ever want to raise your hand and go, yeah, I'll spar that guy. I don't want to take, you see the difference between a pro boxer, a heavyweight pro champion yeah. who's hitting you. And you know, another guy who's just a mixed martial arts fighter, or whatever. it's just a completely different level. Mike Tyson, if he hits you with a four ounce glove or bare knuckle, I, I mean, all- that is a scary, scary thought, dude. I'm I-, I don't want you, any man. part of that. And I believe Tito Ortiz's name has been bandied about. I think I saw a tweet from Tito. But it is tough, right, Ken Flo? Because you got to, like, resist the urge, at least I would think from your seat, to scratch that itch because there's always going to be somebody who will put Kenny Florian in a Legends boxing match. Forget jiu-jitsu for a second, okay? Forget the gentle art that is anything but gentle for a second. Right. (laughs) There's always going to be opportunities, right? And I'm sure you feel pretty damn good coming up on 44 tomorrow. And I know about the six-minute miles in the streets if you need to, right? Like, can you sit here and say, like, you will not be back in a competitive striking sense as long as you live? I don't think you can say that. 
I don't know, man. You know, ah, honestly, I, I, I love it. I, I love it. I, I love the martial arts. I love to compete and also test myself. You know, I think that's the ultimate sign of a martial artist is like you want to keep yourself in check and, 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 and test those skills. But um, I don't know. I mean, for Mike Tyson, he looks phenomenal. I, I just hope it's it's a fight that makes sense. Um, but uh, God bless you if you're going to go in there with, with Mike Tyson in a bare knuckle match, man. Good luck. All right, we'll see how it plays out. Haven't heard much from Mike Tyson as to whether or not he is uh, so inclined, but uh, if the pad session is any indication, uh, Vanderlei may want to be careful what he wishes for. All right, support for the Anakin Florian podcast comes from the official electric razor of UFC Manscaped. Have you ever had an awkward moment where you had to grapple with someone who had, like, a full bush coming out of their singlet? Well, thankfully, Manscaped has everything you need to keep your package nice and tidy. Manscaped truly is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, and their top-notch ball trimmer, that I use multiple times a month called the Lawnmower 3.0 will keep you clean without nicks and cuts. Manscaped has also partnered up recently with top tier MMA athletes like Max Holloway, Francis Ngannou, Brian T. City Ortega, and many others who understand that hygiene matters and they also know what it takes to be the best. Well, so does this revolutionary company, Manscaped. They just redesigned the Lawnmower 3.0. It features a great ceramic blade, proprietary advanced skin safe technology. No accidents for me with this thing ever, at least six or eight months in. And we want our great listeners and viewers to get in on the action. And we don't want you using the same trimmer on your face that you're using on your balls to that end to help you get there and get 20% off with free shipping go to manscaped.com and use the code af that is manscaped.com code af thank you manscaped for supporting mixed martial artists and the sport worldwide all right now i believe we have calvin cater on the guest line tj he is representing the great state of massachusetts and the new england cartel always ufc featherweight contender number six in the world at present and fresh off a big win may 9th against jeremy lil heathen stevens first off cal congrats on the huge win over jeremy stevens a couple weeks ago i bet a lot of fighters would like to be in your position right now you fought recently you got the finish um but you didn't seem wholly satisfied despite obviously a highlight real knockout walk us through that fight week and uh everything that went down in jacksonville a couple weeks ago my man yeah, of course, everything leading into the fight was different, but um, we're kind of used to anything can happen. Uh, sometimes you don't even know if your fight's actually going to happen. All you can do is just focus on what you can control, man, just being ready, and uh, and just planning on it as if everything was going to be 100%. So we didn't skip a beat, really, from uh, March 7th to April 18th and then eventually May 9th. We just got better and better uh, over each camp, and I felt like we really dialed in, and... Um, yeah, I, I got a good finish. I'm definitely happy to, you know, display more than just uh, boxing and things that people are talking about. Plus, everyone's talking shit about me not checking kicks. I mean, I, I might have checked uh, too many, but I checked a ton of them, you know. <laughs> right. uh, I'm at least checking them, man. He, he kind of was phasing off throwing them towards the end, so I was happy with that. Um, just just little things. There's always things you can work on, but like I told you uh, before, I don't like to learn off losses like there's a beat case, you know. I'd rather learn off a win, even if it's with a broken nose. So we got the job done, but my goals are bigger than just Jeremy Stevens. Of course, you know, it's a good checkpoint. Right. Don't get me wrong, but, but I want bigger and better things. Man, I consider myself in the category of the group of guys that he's, he's lost to, not that he's uh, beaten, you know. So now it's a, a toss-up between me and those guys. Now i got to prove why I'm better than the guys on that list. And just different goals, man, every time. But it's a good checkpoint. I'm happy to get the win, and now it's on to the next one. And I was happy to hear Dan Ige drop your name, even though he's ranked below you, right? Isn't it nice that you're sort of this credential top five guy right now that when people are trying uh, to climb that ladder, that they're calling your name because you weren't buddy, there two years ago. Yeah, 
my buddies are giving me shit all the time. They're like, oh, and then they're all, they're all like punks. They almost like like this guy for calling me out, but he didn't do it in a disrespectful <laughs> way. That's the thing. You know, at the end of the day, we all just want the big fights, the guys with the numbers uh, that are lower than ours, you know, above us. And I don't blame him. I was in that position, you know, two fights ago. But um, I'm happy to be where I'm at right now on a short list of guys that are considered somewhat, you know, contenders. And now we get to fight it out to see who gets that shot for, um, you know, eventually about in the near future, hopefully. That's the goal. Calvin, you already talked about it, man, but, you know, you really do show improvement every single fight, uh, win or lose. And that fight against Zabit, man, it seemed like things were turning uh, over towards your side another couple rounds. It would have been very interesting for you. Um, what do you attribute to, uh, that to? What, what is your process like after a fight? Is it you kind of looking back, looking at your tape and going, I need to work on this and that? Is, is it a group effort with your coaches? How does that all work? Yeah, so it's definitely a group effort. You know, we, like I said, we try to learn off wins. We're always trying to improve. And, and I really, I took three years off before making uh, my, my uh, you know, returning back to the cage. And I fought twice, got into the UFC. If you check out when I fought Andre Keeley, you know, uh, on short notice, that one, uh, I'm just a whole completely different fighter now. And I really feel like I'm, I'm at a point in my career where I have the right people around me, uh, a, a, a team of guys that are dedicated to putting in the work. And they're all committed. So I'm in a good place right now. I feel like uh, I have great people around me. And, and I definitely attribute that to being more well-rounded. I, I've been having a mitt holder more consistently with the Muay Thai. So throwing a lot more kicks, elbows, knees, things like that. And it's just nice to see one come out in a fight because you pass it so much in the gym, you just kind of want to have it flow on fight night. And we're able to do that. We adjusted to Jeremy sitting in the pocket and looking to just exchange. And, uh, yeah, happy to get that win. But that's like i'm still waiting on, on more of these bonuses man I'm, I'm putting in the work i'm taking these big risks but it's 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 a whole other way to you know it's a, it's it's nice when you make it from the local show to the to the big show because at that point you're kind of just ready to just say you know fucking let air it out you know what i mean just yep. air it out you maybe chase 50 grand in the process you here's where you there's no holding back you know you just got to let it go out there and in the local show a lot of times these guys are a little nervous to get W's. They kind of fight smart, safe. A lot of times are here. Here it's just where you just air it out and uh, and you try to make a name. You know, put some respect in the name like you talked about. You, you didn't get a bonus, but you sent a big message, I think, to the whole, to the rest of the featherweight division. Not a whole lot of people are finishing guys like Jeremy Stevens right, on the feet, man. Here. I'm uh, it, it was extremely impressive. So, you know, what, what does that say about your skills at this point in the game? Uh, that you're out there finishing a, a, a true veteran in, in Jeremy Stevens, a, a guy who wins a lot of fights by knockout. But you went out there, it was skillful, it was dominant, and you got the finish. Yeah, it's nice to you know see things work out the way you hope they would. And, and that's just through a lot of hard work, our sacrifice, being ready, preparation. You know, we, Tyson put together a great game plan. We had, uh, you know, Jake holding the mitts for me, like I said, more consistently. Came, the rest, it didn't hit the ground into the rest of them, but I've been doing some wrestling too. I still got a lot more to show, man. These guys are just seeing glimpses of it here and there. Like I said, I just kind of got back not so long. I really feel like I'm in, in a good element. Plus, we got Rob Font coming back from uh, right. you know being injured. He, we just got to practicing some Wing Chun. He, he's a he's a savage right now. He's just he's studying, man. He, he's on point. I'm ready for him to get back. I'm hoping to get another fight soon, and then try to get on a car with him towards the end of the year when he's he's back and uh, up and running. Well, Maybe something in Boston, because you know yeah, they like to us, come around uh, around that time. 
all of us mass guys are rooting for uh, one, if not both of you guys to really break through in terms of the preparation, though, during a global pandemic, when you are a top contender like yourself or like Rob Font, like how many weeks do you need to get down to 146 pounds to fight a fellow top contender? Well, I did it in two weeks for Andre Feely, but I don't right. recommend that. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, that was a tough That's a different but, time, though. You know, like, I mean, now you got that yeah, number six next to your name. Yeah, so now it's different, though. For him, it was like I got caught slipping. Um, you know, over the summer, about, I, I was in Vegas on that fight. I was a little frustrated with, you know, how I wasn't prepared for one of the biggest moments of, you know, going to be my head, my fight career, so... That that happened, but at the end of the day, you can't you can't wait for you know those options aren't going to always wait for you to be ready. That door shuts too. Uh, right. I don't want to live with that regret. I had good people around me, you know, talking right. into that one, and we ended up we we got done. But from there, when you're in the UFC, you know your next fight is going to be in the UFC unless you're you know on the street or whatever. But uh, you know we know that we're going to have something coming up. He's training for me right now. We just haven't signed the bout yet. Right. It's just easier to get up and be make it more of a lifestyle because, you know, you got that contract. Like I said, you made it into the biggest show. Now it's time to air it out and, and really dial the fucking interview to a professional because we only get one shot at this. Well, dude, you turned pro back in 2007, and I know that's why you – one of the reasons why you wanted some respect sort of put on your name for the body of work, and it's all in front of you now, kid. You know, 32 years old, right? It's all in front of you yeah. now, and I would think that if you could go back to being 22 years old, if someone would say, hey, 32 years old, you'd be entering your fighting prime, potentially number six in the world. I know there have been bumps, but you'd probably take it, right? Oh, hell yeah. You know when I would have took it? After uh, January 18th in Boston when I got that W at home. That right. was special, man. <laughs> but yeah. you always say, I just, just give me this one, man, my, my first fight back home. Everyone wants to see me fight. Just give me this one, and then, you know, whatever. Okay. Right. Right, right. And then you win that one, and then you're like, all right, man, just this one more. I need this, you know? And it's always the next fight, always the next fight. Uh, you know, but we put it all on the line every time, man. It's a crazy sport we're in, but uh, I just think I'm addicted to that adrenaline. I don't know what it is. Really, I just want what's on the other side of each fight. You know, bigger bigger payday, bigger opportunity uh, for, for me to just, you know, I just want what's on the other side of W's on these fights, man. And uh, whoever's standing in front of me on the side, I'm going to make it a hell of a night for him, man, for China. So I'm trying to keep that from me, you know? Well, that much we know, and, and we've enjoyed watching your rise. I got a few rapid-fire questions here with Calvin Cater on the way out. So who's your favorite Boston athlete of all time? Man, Kenny Florian, next question. Yes! Yeah. Yes! <laughs> all right. yeah, Kenny's a genius. I remember watching That's hilarious. him back when I just I seen him and Joe going at it, all the blood, all this shit, and I'm like, these are two guys from Boston. I watched that fight, man. That was really cool, and I was like, man, imagine, uh, you know, just getting Boston's attention like that. I remember just back yes. in the day reading about it. First, my goals were like, oh, I'll be fighter of the month on this, on that website. You know, I just want to be the fighter of the month. And we hit that, and then we get, um, you know, just climb like, I want to get number one in New England. Boom, checkpoint. Number one in New England. Now I just want to get in the UFC checkpoint. And we're just making these checkpoints, man. But I remember early on those checkpoints, I was watching you and all the guys from New England putting on for everyone around here, and, and, and you guys paved the way. So now it's the second wave, man. I want to kick that door now and bring that, that title back to Boston, man. But definitely, yeah, Kenny Foreman, man. OG. <laughs> oh, let's fucking go. Let's go. Dream answer right there. Yeah, I'm happy to have Joe Joe Anik, man. And the mic, you need some Boston boys over here. Joe Rogan, I love it, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hey, when, I go, you know, when I show up. We're trying up to, to represent. You would say Joe, Joe Lozon. Joe Lozon. Inside job at the UFC. <laughs> I like it. Right. 
If you had said uh, that Joe Lozon was your favorite Boston athlete, we might have had to cut the interview short. But I got a few more questions because you went with Ken Flo. Uh, so, <laughs> damn, uh, damn. Uh, next question. Guy, next question. Yeah. So if the Patriots are eliminated next season and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady are still playing, are you rooting for the Bucs or no? Yeah, I'm a Tom Brady fan, man. At the end of the day, I just respect the team. That's if we're out of it. If we're in it, you know, then it's uh, it's still a good day, man, because in Bill we trust back here. You know that. Right. And I hope the Bucks get fucking killed, but I still love you, Cal. All right, other than the champion, <laughs> Alexander Volkanovsky, what is the dream matchup for you right now at Featherweight if you could call your next shot? Other than Volko, who do you want to fight? I really don't care, man. It's the best part yeah. about it. I'm in the gym right now practicing my Wing Chun, like I said, with Rob Vaughn. The last thing I'm thinking about is anybody else that's stepping in, in there with me. I'm putting all my focus in there just, you know, becoming that athlete that, that I think I could be, and I work hard every day at becoming him. I'm in the gym right now. Like I said, we're working, and, uh, uh, yeah, so at the end of the day, man, I'm getting across from me. I'm ready for anybody. All right, two more. Uh, greatest UFC featherweight resume of all time. Is it Jose Aldo, Max Holloway, Conor McGregor, or somebody I'm not thinking of? To be determined. I like that. All right, and then lastly, the name of the pizza joint that you go to the most in Massachusetts. You got like a Methuen House of Pizza shout out or what? I got a, I got a Ralphie's Italian uh, cafe. It's a cutlet right. shout out. I'm more of a chicken parm guy than a, than a pizza guy. And this place in Salem on 28, man, it's the best cut around. I get it after every fight. And now I sign contracts here just to get another one. It's healthier. Can, That's you, much healthier. You can tell he's a Massachusetts guy calling it a cutlet and not a fucking wedge like the New Yorkers. <laughs> yeah, I'm a cutlet guy. Uh, Calvin Cater, UFC featherweight contender. Congratulations on a huge win. Hope you can enjoy it. And uh, we very much look forward to a potential quick turn and, and seeing what the rest of 2020 holds for you, young man. But we appreciate your time as always, buddy. Likewise. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. There he is. Calvin Cater. Big win over Jeremy Stevens. And it's interesting, Ken Flo, because Yair Rodriguez had that body shot in the rematch with Jeremy Stevens. And somehow, someway, Stevens was able to fight through it and come back and win that third round. Mm -hmm. To your point, there aren't a lot of guys that are putting Jeremy Stevens away that way uh, because he just keeps coming back. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's a huge feather in the cap of uh, of Calvin Cater. It's just all about that next matchup and what that might do to position him to to climb that ladder. It it was a huge statement. It was a huge statement. Uh, Big time exclamation point on that fight. I think it truly showed to the rest of the division that he's not just a good featherweight. He's an elite featherweight. And. Um, I, I think it got a lot of people's attention and the fact that he's out there finishing guys, um, you know, continues to work hard. He's staying in the gym, saying all the right things. The future is very bright for Ke- Calvin Cater and his favorite Boston athlete. I mean, we don't pre-interview <laughs> these guests, right? He was right there with the Ken flow. He's a sharp kid because he knows exactly <laughs> what, what answer I would be looking too for. Funny. All right. Speaking of too funny, let's get to the Ray Longo minute. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. All right, the great Ray Longo now joins us live, and there's no time to waste bemoaning the fact that you're still not on video because one of your star pupils, UFC Bantamweight contender Aljamain Sterling, who was featured on the Anakin Florian podcast last week, by the way, is going to be fighting in a title eliminator on pay-per-view June 6th in Las Vegas. We need to know, Ray, has the flight been booked? Are you going to Las Vegas? Oh, man. Let me tell you something. First off, 
I mean, with everybody being able to hear what you say, I mean, I, I can't. You think <laughs> I want D.C. ripping me apart? You think <laughs> I want to be there and listen to D.C. criticize me? The whole He ruined those guys' career, John. Oh, John, he took oh, a career. Right. He, Montoya and those guys are finished because of D.C. You think I'm taking it? I've had such a good career. John, I can't take that chance. I just can't take it. I can't take right. it. <laughs> All right, so I guess, I mean, you just have Aljo take it up with D.C., but uh, hey, man, that's a huge fight. All kidding aside, Aljamain Sterling and Corey Sandhagen, this is a huge fight, a true title eliminator at 135 pounds, and if that belt is vacant vacant right now, and all indications are that it is, um, this is a huge fight, Ray. No, this is this is a huge fight. Look, I'm actually, I'm at the gym now. Uh, he's, we did a UFC thing today, so... Uh, Aljo looked great. He's on point. Uh, he's got a, another hard session tonight. Uh, this is really, really uh, this is a great, great fight. I mean, Sanhagen is tough. We know he's good. He's on the roll. Uh, Aljo is, you know, he's the funk master for a reason. Uh, and I, I tell you what, man, I'm, I'm excited for the fight. I, I, in all seriousness, though, I don't, I don't think. I'm going to make the fight, which sucks. Uh, yeah. I think, wow. uh, you know, I think it's coming from a good spot. Like, look, when this thing started, uh, we were in the heat of this whole pandemic, especially in New York. So, you know, he's got Al going. Al's always been in the corner with him. So Al's going to take the lead on this one. And I think that's what's great when you have a great team. He'll have, uh, he'll have good people that he's been working with. He's had the same guys to work with. Uh, you know, and uh, it, it is what it is. I wish it was at a different time, uh, realistically, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think they, I, I actually think they kicked me out of the corner. I'm not sure yet, but I'm, I think, I mean, I know, I know Aljo told me, Sarah called him and said, listen, if you won the fight and Longo dropped dead the next day, would that be good? Would <laughs> right. that be a good victory? So, I mean, I, you know, I guess I'm the old guy in the room. John. Wait, wait, Al, wait, what did he say? <laughs> what was that? What was Aljo's yeah, answer? No, <laughs> no Aljo okay, said right. no. That that would be a, that would be a good trade off. I get the win, and then we get to get rid of him. The win's all the, the most same, important all thing. The same night. <laughs> so we know you celebrated a birthday recently. We know you work out every day. I mean, do you feel like, in all seriousness, that like your age is being used against you? Because I know a big part of you is dying to be out there for your guy in a huge spot. No, a hundred percent. I think it's being used against me. You know, it just even with all the media stuff, I feel great. Look, if I'm going to get that thing, give it to me now, man. While I'm healthy, I'll, I know I'll be able to deal with it. I'm not even joking, but I got to say, look, man, it's all coming from a good spot. I mean, Matt's really adamant on me not going, <clears throat> and I got to give it. You know, like again, I I could be pissed, but I know it's coming from a good spot. So I think you know, at the end of the day, I can't argue with anything, but. uh I want to be there. There's still something in the back of my head that says we're going to be there, but we'll see what happens. Well, hey, I mean, I'm going out there for a couple weeks. If there was a way for us to somehow drive there together, I would come pick your ass up and like, I mean, I, I don't know how far north I can go with a cross-country drive ahead of us, but I wish there was a way for us to get creative uh, and somehow avoid the airports. Is there anything you can do? From a coaching standpoint, from home, I don't want to get you in trouble, Kenny. I don't know if he's like allowed to communicate with the corner, but I'd imagine right. you'll be pretty anxious standing up in your living room trying to watch this fight without a direct line to the corner. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they'll have you know, we'll we'll go over everything. I mean, uh, uh, there's other guys in the corner that I'm close with that you know watch me while I'm training them, and you know, well, we're always in communication even when I'm not there. So I I feel really good with that. 
And, you know, I mean, like, again, I don't, it's just shitty feeling. I, I, it's rare. I don't know if I, I think the last time, John, I was not in somebody's corner was when Al was on the show with you. I think right. that was it, man. And, and that was crazy watching that from a bar every week. That was, oh. that was nutty. Uh, it's not, a, yeah. it's not a good feeling. I'm not going to, it's not a, I'm really, really, really kind of upset about it, but it is what it but is. Right. So, man, it's, it's, this whole thing's been weird. So. Uh, but Ray, you know, I'm not trying to make you feel better, but don't you feel like most of the hard work or all the hard work is done really in training? You're you're going to be a part of that. You kind of set them up for success, get all the training sessions in. You know, during those 15 minutes, you know, it's the, the work really is done for the most part, right? No, there, there's no question about it, Kenny. That's 100 percent true. He's good. Aljo's going to do what he's going to do. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, I mean, the corner unless things go south and you got to get a guy back on track. I mean, he knows what to do. He's been looking great in sparring. We got him a, a really uh, good look for this fight. So I'm, I'm really happy with everything I've seen and it's going to suck not being there. It really is just more for, you know, because it's more for moral support. You know what I mean? It's, it's something that's been, you know, we've had success with and uh, you know, but you know, it's time for everybody to step up. We have a great team. And I think, look, I'm not going to be around forever anyway. So uh, I, I'm I'm happy with the guys he's got in his corner, and uh, that they've all been working together. And for this fight, they probably even know him better than I know him. So, uh, but he's been looking great. And like again, we worked out this morning, and uh, it is what it is, man. I don't know. I, I got. I'm really torn on this. It it really does suck. I don't even know what to say to be honest. No, with it's but. hard. And I appreciate you being candid about it. I feel like it's also interesting because he could be fighting for the belt in September on Fight Island. And then, right, like if he was fighting for the belt, would you go, right? I mean, it's a very, very yeah. difficult thing when it comes to the high, high stakes fights because I do believe, Ray, if he's fighting for the belt three, four months from now, um, you're not going to take no for an answer. You're going to be in that corner. Oh, what I look I, like again, this, this thing is very, very strange because it, it is New York is still different. I mean, right. now the numbers are going down. So I think even by the time I look by, by July, I'm getting on an airplane, you know, I'll just be stifled. We have the tools now to know what to do and what not to do. You know what I mean? So you'd have to make a, I believe you'd have to make a mistake now to really get hit with this thing. You know what I mean? Where you're touching somebody then you're rubbing your face, but as long as you're diligent with like a little social distancing and you're washing your hands, I feel, I feel, I feel good. I feel I have the knowledge to avoid this thing, and it's just unfortunate. But like again, if this if the camp would have started today, I think it would have been a different story. But at the time the camp started, uh, you know, we had to make arrangements as if, you know, me and Matt weren't going to be there. So, you know, it is what it is. Wow. That'll be a different look yeah. in that corner, Cam. Yeah. And uh, but you're right, Aljo's got a lot of good people. And if Ally Quinta is going to be in that corner, I think you got to pe- feel pretty good that it's uh, that's it that it's in his hands. Uh, yeah, hey, I, mean, we, uh, I think Al, Al definitely knows the way I coach. I think he's the closest right. guy to you know be able to do that. He's awesome. I'm really you know I love that guy. So he knows what's going on, and uh, they've been doing a great job. They started with Aljo, you know, they've been training at Al's house. So, like, again, he's got the same, you know, cast of, you know, people that, that have always gotten him, you know, uh, looking good. So I feel good with the Marabs and Al and everybody's been pitching in. So it's, it's great to know that you're surrounded by people that can pick up the slack, too. 
And I'll be right there at the commentator table. So if you need me to shout something in Aljo's direction, just shoot me a text and I'll see what I can do. I love it, man. I just told DC he's going to handle the wrestling for this fight. (laughs) DC's got the wrestling and Iaquinta's got the striking. And Aljo's good with his (laughs) jiu-jitsu. He's got that covered. So we're we're good. Just told DC to bring his A game. Start looking at tapes on Sanhagen if he can. Hey, uh, before we let you go, Billy Q's fighting this Saturday, too. Shout out to your guy, Billy Q, fighting Spike Carlisle, I believe, uh, on May 30th. So, Oh, man. I, yeah, I didn't even realize Get that. your but head out of the gutter, like, Raymond. We've, we've, <laughs> we've, had, yeah, we've, we've had this uh, conversation before. What a great kid Billy Q is, so best of luck awesome to him. Kid. And I yeah. think Favol is with him down in Florida right now, too, and Matt's got a fight coming up uh, June 20th, I think. So. Right. They're going to start booking again. So I think by July, I'm ready to roll. All right, my man. Well, uh, we wish you a safe and healthy week. All the best to Aljo. We'll talk to you next Monday, which is obviously the pay-per-view week, and we'll go a little bit more in-depth on on Sanhagen and Sterling uh, at that point in time, buddy. We'll talk to you next Monday, okay? All right, guys. Listen, man, enjoy the uh, rest of the weekend, man. Enjoy the Memorial Day. Thanks, Ray. You're the greatest, buddy. Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anik and Florian podcast. All right, today's main event challenge brought to you by OddShark.com. OddShark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to OddShark and start playing like a shark today. OddShark.com. Don't forget the second S. All right, on Twitter, it is at Ian Parker MMA. Ian Parker now joins us live from Parkland, Florida. Quick update on the standings. So that Ige Barboza fight was huge for Ken Flo. That was a three-point swing. So Team Anik still maintains a lead, albeit a slight one. 44-43 as we hit UFC Fight Night, Woodley versus Burns. It's nice to see you, Ian. Jonathan, likewise. Kenneth. <laughs> Ian. <laughs> All right, so we are going to rifle through some of these fights, and depending on how long we go, we'll try to get to, I think, six here. Uh, we did do a Twitter poll on the main event between Tyron Woodley and Gilbert Dorino Burns. About 3,000 votes. 68% of you like Tyron Woodley to win. So I'll get that out there. Now we will get to the selections, and we will begin with the featured prelim in the flyweight division. So the sisters Shevchenko trying to hand Caitlin Chukagian back-to-back losses here. Antonina, the minus-145 favorite. Caitlin Chukagian comes back at plus-125. So Shevchenko's 8-1. and one. She submitted Lucia Pudilova back in August. That was her first UFC finish. Chukagian on the other side stopped by Valentina Shevchenko. That was a title fight earlier in 2020. Ian Parker, interesting opener here. Shevchenko or Chukagian for you? If this was week three of the NFL, we usually would call this a trap bet. Right. Right. Um, right. It, you know, it's how, how do you how do you go from fighting for the title to being an underdog in someone who hasn't put anyone in the top seven? But this is where styles and matchups, I think, come into play. Um, you know, does Shevchenko Valentina pass it on to her sister and say, hey, this is the blueprint, even though they're not the same fighter. This is a really, really tough fight. I would not bet on this at all. Just yeah. because to me, I just you haven't seen the younger Shevchenko really fight this level of competition. However, I do think her skill set presents a little bit of a threat to Chukagian. I don't think Caitlin moves around enough. So I'm going to go with Shevchenko here. I'm not overly confident in it. I just don't think there's enough underdog value to take Caitlin. So Valentina as a resource, Kenny, and as Antonina's primary training partner, I mean, these women just travel around the world training in all different disciplines all over the world. 
I don't know what the saying is in terms of like iron sharpening iron, but you can't do better than Valentina. I was surprised that Antonina was favored here against the recent world title challenger, Chukagian, but uh, Vegas knows a lot more than I do. What do you think about the uh, featured prelim kit? Well, I also think it's interesting the fact that um, obviously one of the Shevchenko sisters have already put in a camp uh, against Chukagian, so they already have a lot of information, a lot of intel. Uh, what better training partner than having someone who fought um, you know, your, your, your next opponent. So I think Shevchenko has an advantage for that reason. I do think Shikagian, if she's able to uh, take Antonina uh, down to the mat, things could get interesting. I don't think that's the strongest part of Shevchenko's game. I think that's where Shikagian uh, has the advantage, at least positionally, where she can land some ground and pound, grind her out, um, you know, get her tired or whatever. But um, I like Shevchenko here as well. I, I think this fight, for the most part, is going to be on the feet. Um, and I think she outpoints her. All right, couple plays there for Antonina Shevchenko. That brings us to the main card opener in the strawweight division. Mackenzie Dern, minus 420, versus Hannah Cyphers, who is plus 335. So Dern making her second start here since the birth of her first child last June. And as usual, Ken, for a lot of respect here for Mackenzie Dern from the odds makers. How do you see her here against Hannah Cyphers? Yeah, you know, um, I think that she's definitely a favorite. Um, I, I was kind of surprised to see the, this big um, of a, a big disparity. Number, and the, that's a big number. Um, so, you know, yes, M Mackenzie should win this fight. I, I think that, you know, her striking, she's kind of struggled, struggled there in, in that department. Um, she really is just kind of trading and showing a lot of toughness, no doubt. But the way that, you know, she's a grappler. She's a world-class grappler. She's one of the best uh, women on the ground in UFC history, why isn't she catering her striking to set up her takedowns more as opposed to just kind of going into striking mode and then grappling mode? And it seems like she's still kind of getting used to that transition as a mixed martial arts grappler. So we'll see what kind of changes she's made. Mackenzie is just a sweetheart of a person, um, you know, on a personal level. Every time I've met her, she's been amazing. And um, if she can apply those same talents that she applied in the jiu-jitsu world, uh, I think she can go very far. Let's see how she's improved. I do like her in this matchup. If she gets to the mat, Cyphers is in trouble. Let's see if she could do that. So Mackenzie Dern, minus 420, Ian, but seems to be pretty focused. The reports are that her weight is pretty good, which is a pretty good indicator, I would think, for Mackenzie Dern. On the other side, you know how tough Cyphers is. She has won two of her last three, but coming in here after a stoppage loss to Angela Hill her last time out. Any value on Cyphers plus 335, kid, or are you going with my, uh, Mackenzie Dern? Oh, there, there's no value in this underdog here. And that's not a knock on Hannah Cyphers. Hannah Cyphers is already undersized for this weight class. She's one of the handful of women that would really benefit from an atom weight um, division. Here's the thing, right? This is a woman who just got taken down pretty easily by Angela Hill. And even though Angela Hill, we talked about her evolution, her overall game, she's nowhere near Mackenzie Dern in the grappling area. You know, and to answer Kenny's point, why Mackenzie Dern's been having a strike? Because fighting someone like Amanda Hebus, you can't just bull rush your way in and jujitsu your way to a victory against someone who we are now seeing is going to be a top contender soon. Uh, however, I do think Vegas got this right based on matchup. I think Mackenzie Dern at minus 400 actually makes a ton of sense between size and style. So I like Mackenzie Dern here as well. All right, nicely done. We move on to the lightweight division. A couple of uh, Dana White Contender Series graduates here. You got Rosie Roberts. Roosevelt Roberts minus 300. Brock Weaver plus 250. So Roberts 9-1. and one. Thought he bounced back pretty well from what was a tough first career loss to Vince from Hell. Pichel win over the rapper slash fighter Alexander Yakovlev. Now he takes on Brock Weaver. Ian Parker, what do you think? 3-1 to one favorite for Roberts against Weaver. 
if we were betting on who I thought would win at the weigh-ins, uh, Brock Weaver is one of the more intimidating guys when he gets in your yeah. face. However, I think his last fight, um, besides the illegal kick, there was just a difference there. You know, in his last contender fight, I didn't think that was you – know, his cardio is what won for him there. Let's just put it that way. He wasn't out grappling anyone. He wasn't out striking anybody. I think he got a lot of clout in that fight because he was fighting one of the top um, prospects in the contender series. I think Roosevelt Roberts' experience in the octagon against some decent competition so far, um, I think the odds are, are way heavier than I expected. I thought maybe minus 185. Maybe minus 200 on a betting standpoint. You can't touch this. But I think Roosevelt Roberts has the skill set to keep his fight standing. And I think his striking will get it done here. Ken Flo Brock, the Chattatuska Weaver, rep in Mobile, Alabama. As Ian mentioned, won his UFC debut by DQ. That was his 15th pro win. He's won eight straight overall. But it would be a big upset here if he can get past Roosevelt Roberts. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to keep it pretty quick. You know, I think Brock Weaver is a tough dude, no doubt about it. I actually, uh, Ian, I, I think Roosevelt uh, Roosevelt Roberts uh, is the better grappler as well. I, I think he's got the advantage there. He's got some decent submissions. He's very aggressive there. Uh, Brock Weaver could pose some problems on the feet. He's a powerful guy, but I, I like Roosevelt Roberts here as well. All right, Ian, that brings us to Kevin Holland, who won a fight at middleweight nine days ago, and now is a minus 230 favorite against the plus 190 underdog Daniel Rodriguez. Holland will compete at welterweight, second quickest turnaround in UFC history. So Rodriguez made his UFC debut, big win over Tim Means Business. This will be the first welterweight fight for Kevin Holland since 2017, first welterweight fight in the UFC. Did have a weight missy and way back in the day in 2015. I think he's going to be just fine making 171 pounds on Saturday. The question is, does he beat Daniel Rodriguez, and do you like the number? I think Daniel Rodriguez was extremely impressive in his debut, but I also thought we saw Tim Means that wasn't fighting like Tim Means. He wasn't putting on the pressure. He almost took Rodriguez um, way too lightly. He was hesitant. He wasn't throwing his leg kicks. And we know Means is usually like a Nico Price type of fighter, and we didn't see that. So I think Rodriguez capitalized on that. I think Kevin Holland's confidence is obviously through the roof coming out and just winning that fight last week. And he needed to win that fight after losing that last one to submit uh, by submission as a heavy favorite. I, I think Holland comes out again. The odds here scare me. I don't really like that at minus two uh, above minus two hundred. To be honest with you, because Tim Means is a pretty solid guy to get a win over. But I do think he wins this year. I think his athleticism and his confidence right now is through the roof. So I'm going to ride the momentum here as well and go Kevin Holland. All right, Kevin Holland for Ian Ken Flo Rodriguez has won seven in a row. Came off Dana White's Contender Series. He's part of that. Joe Schilling camp out West. Your thoughts on Rodriguez here against Kevin Holland moving down to 70. Rodriguez is tough. He's dangerous. Um, but um, I like the way Kevin Holland fights. I think it, it's not going to be so easy to make 170, 171. Uh, he's yeah. six foot three. Yeah. Uh, yes, he is, you know, should be in pretty good shape coming off his last fight. But um, that's where I'm a little hesitant. I do think Kevin Holland is the more well-rounded fighter. Uh, when he's out there freestyling and just kind of feeling the fight, he's going to be a tough guy to beat. I I'm really yeah. interested to see how a, a guy at six foot three does at right. welterweight, and and if he does that moving forward, you know, for the rest of his career, I, I think he probably fits a little bit better in the middleweight division. But I like Kevin Holland, man. I, I think um, a potential contender could emerge from this fight. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a great fight, and Kevin Holland certainly has been uh, worth the price of admission thus far. We'll see how it goes for him against Daniel Rodriguez. And that brings us to the co-main event, close one on paper here between a couple of ranked heavyweights. Uh, we'll have Ken Flo lead the dance here on the co-main event. you got Augusto Sakai, minus 115, out of Curitiba, Brazil, taking on Boagoy Ivanov, who is the slight dog at minus 105. So Sakai Flo, 3-0 and in the UFC thus far. He knocked out Marcin Tabor back in September. Five consecutive wins, 11 career knockouts. But facing the uber-tough Boagoy Ivanov, who nobody can seem to put away, what do you think about the co-main, Ken? Uh, yeah, this is a tough one as well. Um, you know, if someone gets the finish, it's probably Sakai. But again, Ivanov is a very difficult, difficult guy to to take out of there. Um, got an insane chin. Um, I'm going to go with Sakai. I, I think that he's a little bit cleaner on the feet, moves a little bit better. I think Ivanov um, is extremely durable, can really get you tired and frustrated out there. Um, so you know, Sakai maybe not having as much experience as even off. I think that's something to consider. However, I do like Sakai here. I think he gets done by decision. All right. Sakai by decision. Ken Flo, you got to be careful walking to the window and placing a bet against Bwagoy Ivanov. I know. Francis Ngannou's primary training partner of late, which certainly is something that uh, it stands to reason could help him in this fight. So four UFC fights. It could hurt him in this fight, too. (laughs) Me and Francis' training partner. Actually, yeah, right. That could go both ways, Ken Flo. Don't fucking hurt the bush behind you, Kenny, by the way. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So... Junior Dos Santos over 25 minutes. Big Ben Rothwell, Ty Tuivasa, Derek Lewis. Nobody's been able to put Ivanov away. He has been in trouble at times, but just legendary chin. Fought through that stabbing, obviously, back in the day. Big win at the Combat Sambo Worlds over Fedor in 2008. The guy is tested, now trying to make a UFC run. What do you think about the co-main, Ian Parker? I thought Blagoy beat Derek Lewis. I think he is going to beat Sakai here, too. You know, I'm surprised Kenny even said decision here because we haven't seen Sakai. Has he even gone three rounds? We've seen uh, Blagoy. I've done it quite a few times. Said just once. All right. One, once, twice. Which one is it? Seven times. He's done it seven times. Uh, he's knocked out 11. Huh. He's, gone to, he's gone three rounds 16 times. Um, I, I, I like Blagoy here. I think his wrestling, I think his clinch game, I think his uh, cardio – gets it done. You know, that chin is something else, man. Uh, it holds up. And if Sakai doesn't knock him out in round one, I think Blagoy takes him to deep water. So I like Blagoy here. And he's minus 105 for our purposes. Blagoy even of a slight underdog. All right. Main event in the welterweight division. Let's fucking go. I love this fight. The number one ranked contender, the former champ, Tyron Woodley, minus 185 against the streaking Former lightweight, now sixth-ranked welterweight Gilbert Burns, who is plus 160. We will need the round and the method of victory here, boys. Little backdrop for you, Ian. So Woodley, pretty good history off a long layoffs, returning here for the first time since March of 2019. So when he beat Robbie Lawler, was waiting for the title shot. He had been out for 18 months. Then beats Darren Till. It was a 14-month layoff. Says he's in a violent headspace here and feels like that could be bad news for Gilbert Burns. What do you think, Ian Parker? Who wins the main event here in Vegas on May 30th, and how do they get it done? I think what Gilbert Burns has done in this division has been tremendous. However, I think he's running into something a little too much too soon. And listen, you can't you can't not take the opportunity, so I get it. But you're going from Damian Maya to Tyrell Woodley. You know, people are going to question Woodley with the rap career and being out for so long. People forget his wrestling credentials, being the champ, what he's done 
a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well. If this fight stays standing, I think Tyron Woodley has the better better stand-up. Um, we also seen Tyron Woodley go five rounds with, in my opinion, more well-rounded fighters with guys that are title contenders. I think Gilbert one day will fight for that title. I do not think it's now. I like Tyron Woodley here. He's going to be the stronger guy. I think Burns, even though he's got no neck, um, I don't think, you know, I think it's going to be tough for him to get Tyron down. Um, I know I keep saying um a lot right now because I just don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know if Gilbert Burns can go five rounds. When a guy hasn't done it before, it's hard to really, you know, see what their cardio is. So I'm going to say that Woodley finishes him in the third round by TKO. All right, Tyron Woodley by TKO round three, the official Ooh, Kenny, pick don't you smile for at me like Ian that. Parker. All right, Ken Flo. So Gilbert Burns, 11 UFC wins, five in a row. This is his first UFC main event, certainly deserves the opportunity. His teammate, Kamara Usman, runs this division. Should be some good insight there. What do you think about Gilbert Burns' chances this weekend? I know when I heard you on another podcast, you had a lean towards Tyron Woodley, but not an official prediction. Yeah. We need an official pick today, kid. Well, you know, I, I find it interesting because Gilbert Burns um, has kind of been, um, you know, kind of like a Cowboy Cerrone where he's calling out everybody, uh, he's taking fights on short notice, and he's winning. So, you know, that does a lot for your confidence, gives a, uh, gives you a lot of momentum as a fighter. Uh, I do think that he's a guy that is obviously tremendous on the ground. Um, I, I see him having the advantage, especially if he's able to get on top of someone like Tyron, either with a reversal or uh, a takedown, potentially Tyron with that wrestling background, isn't going to give up a whole lot of takedowns against someone like a Gilbert Burns. Um, I, I think going five rounds, uh, in, in the past against guys like wonder boy, uh, Damian Maya, I, I think that is such an experience advantage and Despite Gilbert Burns having a lot of momentum and confidence right now, you just can't make up for that level of experience. Now, where is Tyron's headspace at truly? You know, yes, he wants to go out there and hurt people and, and kind of make a statement. Um, but how consistent has he been with his training throughout? He's kind of been one of those guys, for better or worse, who has taken time off after a fight. He's not the guy who's in the gym all the time. He has a fight. Then he gets back in the gym. Um, you know, I, I hope Tyron is able to be in shape and be in the right uh, headspace. I think that's kind of been um, a problem with him. He's had to deal with a lot of things outside the octagon. I do think if Tyron is in in shape, it is motivated and has been training, he could beat anyone in the world. Um, and uh, I'm going to lean towards Tyron Woodley in this fight. Uh, I'm going to go with a fourth round TKO for Mr. Woodley. Seems like a lot of people online, too, seem pretty convicted that eventually Woodley would be priced even higher than he is right now, minus 185 or so for our purposes. So, all right. So only one uh, dissenting selection on the co-main event. So Buago Ivanov and Augusto Sakai. We'll see uh, who will have the upper hand next week. Ian Parker, MMA on social media. Hey, thanks, buddy. Any final words? Longo's not on hold. Corey Sandhagen is on deck. Anything else before we let you go, kid? John, John, <laughs> if there's one thing... We got to have a set of ground rules. Blah, blah, blah. Right. No, I'm good. I'm good. Right. He went before right. me. As long as we keep him happy, it's Memorial Day. I don't want to upset the old guy. It's all good. It's all love. All right, buddy. It's good job good. handicapping, and we will talk to you next week. Obviously, it'll be eight or ten picks on pay-per-view. So uh, we'll love let it. you go and start your homework, kid. Thank you, sir. You got it. Have a good day, guys. See you, dude. All right, Corey. Hey, Sanhagen coming up here in a minute. I I'm totally fascinated, Kenny, by this main event. You thought I was going to say something about that whole Longo Parker dynamic. Right. I was just going to let that rest a little bit. You know, I talked to Longo after the fact, and he's like, I'm surprised Ian didn't call and thank me. You know, <laughs> he, doesn't even, he doesn't even think he did anything. 
So, uh, but this main event really piques my interest. And sometimes yeah. when I'm not going to be calling fights and I know I'm just going to be sitting home watching this fight, I get even more excited because recreationally I could just sit down and watch a fight. And that's very exciting for me. So can't wait to see how it plays out. But now joining us on the Skype machine from the greater Denver metropolitan area, the UFC's number four <laughs> ranked bantamweight in the world, a man who's fighting in a title eliminator June 6th in Vegas. Corey Sandhagen is with us. I know it's hell week out there, buddy, so we appreciate the time. Man. How you doing? Oh, no, man. This is the easy week. This is the taper week, man. This okay. is the one where I don't have to go in and have a bunch of anxiety about having to die in training practice. <laughs> All right. So last, week, so last week then would have been hell week, so to speak? Yeah, last week was hell week, and pretty much every week before that is, and then this week is a little bit chill, and then next week is chill. So did you get a new puppy yesterday? Yeah. Uh, no, 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 not yesterday. I got him last okay. week. But yeah, I got a little corgi. We've been talking about it for a long time, and then I guess we just finally reached the amount of boredom that it takes to right, buy a puppy, right. and yeah, so that happened, yeah. Yeah, dogs are flying off the shelves and out of the rescue shelter, <laughs> so that's a good thing. So, uh, all right, so it's been about two and a half years uh, since you made your UFC debut. It was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and even then, we sort of got this vibe that maybe we were sitting across from somebody who could be something special. You're 5-0 and in the octagon thus far. I know the Frankie Edgar fight went away, but as you assess the first two and a half years, even though maybe it hasn't gone as quickly as you would like, how do you assess the overall body of work that, that you put on paper? Well, I think it's kind of what I expected. Um, I knew that, I, I mean, I came up in a really good gym, right? Like I trained at uh, Easton's High Altitude Grudge. I mean, re really good gyms with really good people. And so, I mean, I kind of knew comparatively how I was kind of coming up through my years of training and stuff. So I, I knew that when I got here, it wasn't going to take me too long. Uh, I kind of just uh, had a gut feeling about that. And um, yeah, but I mean, two and a half years, I, I, I like to crank out fights as much as I can. And uh, that hasn't really been the case for me for the last year or so. But uh, whatever, man, I'm, I'm really happy. I mean, I'm fighting for a potential next fight after this one being for the belt. So yeah, I mean, I'm not going to complain, you know, I'm happy about right. where I am. Right. Yeah. And certainly I think most parties are absolutely looking at this as a Bantamweight title eliminator and the winner of this fight will get a title shot. Um, so six months after that Edgar fight goes away, you're getting that high profile fight. Looked like maybe a Dominic Cruz fight would happen in May. That did not materialize, even though you signed on the dotted line. So how have you sort of navigated the last six months physically, mentally, and, and emotionally as you try to peak for June 6th? Yeah, I mean, it's just always get better, man. Like ever since it was in the last, uh, in the last, uh, since my last fight in August, like my only focus every single day is just get better, man. Like, uh, learn more, uh, put that learning into actual training and then take that into the fights and like that really, man, as simple as it is, that's like where I keep my mind or, or I try to keep my mind every day. I'd be lying if I said I didn't stress out about all of this, right. uh, all of this stuff and like, it not feeling like some type of rat race to get to the title, but uh, it's just slow and steady every day, man. Like as long as I feel like I'm getting better, um, that's it. That's it for me. Well, you can definitely see that you're getting better, Corey. It's been amazing to see your progression through your first fight in the UFC to where you are right now. Um, you, you've traveled a little bit. You actually trained with a buddy of mine, Ryan Hall, for a little bit. Um, what were you able to pick up from Ryan and, and kind of what things uh, did you take away for, for your own uh, fight game? Uh, so more than anything, I mean, you know, Ryan, dude, Ryan's one of the best minds that this sport has ever seen. Uh, he's like one of the most strategic and, uh, capable people of being able to communicate, 
um, strategy and being able to communicate, uh, um, I guess all of the, j just anything to do with combat really. <laughs> so, I mean, training with Ryan is, is, uh, really, really made me critically think a lot about stuff. That dude is a really, really critical thinker. He doesn't just take what you say, uh, as truth. He thinks about it. He puts things to the test and he, he really critically thinks. So I, I would say more than anything, that's the main thing that I got from training with Ryan, uh, besides like a, a more than a handful of really awesome techniques that are going to help me incredibly. Um, but yeah, I've been out there twice. Uh, I was supposed to go out there in April, but all of this Corona stuff happened. So I wasn't able to make it back there, but I mean, that's something that I'm going to do as frequently as I can. Man, that guy's a genius. Like seriously, I've never met anyone in my life that I felt had more of an understanding of combat and fighting than that guy. Wow. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, so, Corey, about this coronavirus thing, how has this been a challenge for you? Obviously, we've never dealt with anything like this. Um, have you been able to get your regular training partners and coaches in to kind of at least making it make it as normal of a training camp uh, as you've had before? Yeah, but I, I don't try to make it normal. It's not going to be normal. So that normal hasn't really been the goal for me. It's just it's like, all right, well, how can I take what I got right now and just keep getting better every single day? So uh, and not get sick, because if I get sick, then I, I can't fight. So uh, it's a lot of uh, I'm being real careful who I'm being around. I'm only using three training partners and then I'm using my three coaches. So my circle is really small right now. Uh, but that being said, I've obviously chosen people that are going to give me good pushes and uh, be good drilling partners, be good training partners. Um, so, I mean, honestly, I, I think it's been a little bit better. The spotlight's been on me every single practice and I've been able to, right. I've been able to, this has been like my most, uh, I don't really know the, the verb for it or, or word for it, but my most learningest, uh, training camp that I've ever had, you know, like I, the, just because everything is about me, you know, which is, which is good. And, and Corey, last question. Um, how do you deal with someone like Aljo? How, how do you break that fight down? Yeah, it's well, I think anytime you have uh, two guys that bring in a lot of the same advantages, it's it's an interesting match. So I think Aljo's usually a little bit taller than people. He likes to kind of strike from the outside. He likes to move his feet. Uh, he likes to mix in like fun techniques, um, very similarly to how I do. So um, we have the same advantages, so it's just about who's better at doing those advantages, right? Or finding a disadvantage in the other person, where I think um, I, with what I bring in, I think that my advantages are, even though they're the same, I think that I do them better. So I think that after that gets realized, he's going to start looking to find me in positions where I'm at a disadvantage, and I've, I've been practicing a lot on where those areas might be and then so if i do get there then i'm not at a disadvantage anymore so your corner will be intact though on june 6th the same guys that cornered you last time are you missing a body or something like that or no so uh i'm using christian allen elliot marshall and then instead of dave zabrinski the the wrestling coach now i'm using carrington banks as my wrestling yep. coach uh carrington he's He's a very, very good fighter and uh, a very, very good teacher at wrestling. And he's been one of my training partners throughout this whole thing, this whole time. So it's, it's been really helpful to, to use him as a training partner, but also have him as a coach, too, because that guy, has, his wrestling knowledge is out of this world.
So you're only 28 years old, just turned, but I know there's a wisdom and a depth to you of a guy that might be impatient at times in terms of trying to chase this belt. And you've had to sort of bite your tongue while Jose Aldo or Frankie Edgar has injected their name into this division or Dominic Cruz comes back for the first time in three or four years and you haven't spoken out of line or said anything that maybe would put you in a bad spot, but I'd imagine at least now, right, the belt just got contested, Henry Cejudo stepped aside, you're fighting the number two guy, this is the clarity that you've been looking for 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 a year, if not more, correct? Yeah, I mean, everything lined up, man. Like, uh, if I would have tried to rush it before, so so say I, tr- I try to rush this thing back when the Frankie fight pulls out and, and I take just a different fight just for the sake of staying in the conversation and taking a fight, I break my hand and I can't fight this time, you know? Right, uh, right. It's everything in my life, as long as I know that I'm doing things as honestly and as uh, proficiently as I can in the morning. And for me as a martial artist, that's just getting better and learning more, uh, taking care of my body. I, I put all of my eggs in that in that basket where it's like if I do all of these things correctly, I don't have to go overboard trying to get all of these goals and accomplishments that I, I intend to to create for myself in my career. It's it's as long as I'm doing these things everything will work out. And, and that's been the case. So I'm, I mean, I'm not going to change anything. There also is, I understand a time where, uh, you have to be loud and you have to put yourself and assert yourself into the conversation, which is what I felt like I, I had to do maybe a couple months ago when all of this talk was happening because closed mouths don't get fed. And I also understand that too. But, um, I mean, I, I'm, I, I put a lot of eggs in the basket of just take care of the day and then the rest will come. Got a couple more minutes here with Corey Sandhagen. Quick thought on team elevation, right? Corey Sandhagen, yeah. Curtis Blades, Drew Dober, Justin Gaethje, Alistair Overeem, 5-0 and in the UFC thus far in 2020. Certainly the front runner for team of the year. I know there are different bodies and different banners and gyms, but under this team elevation banner, you guys are doing something special, man. There's no doubt. Yeah, we're crushing it. Uh, I think everything's just kind of coming into formation a little bit. We've been good for a really long time. Uh if there is two things that I think I would attribute it to, I would attribute one of it is just time, you know, like a, a lot of us were kind of uh, figuring stuff out, right? Like I had only been in the UFC for about three years now. Um, Curtis hasn't been in the UFC for a crazy amount of time. Gaethje either. Gaethje was with World Series for a while and Gaethje has really kind of come into his own as far as like finding that balance between um, trading hits and, and, and scoring right. himself. So, um I would attribute a lot of it to time. And then I think number two, I would attribute it to that. We are all on the same page that if we all don't get better and we don't make each other better, then no one's getting better and no one's being successful. So uh, the camaraderie is definitely there. We're all buds. Uh, we don't clash heads. There's no uh, overly competitiveness in, in training. It's more of like uh, it's a very help, helpful atmosphere and we're all on the same board that the more knowledge you have, everyone's tough so you got to you got to right. be smart you know and i've just seen all these guys grind at least in my time with ufc for a decade christian allen and elliot marshall and uh and cody and everybody else so uh wish you guys all the best all right a few rapid fires here with uh cory sandhagen on the way out so you've only lost one fight in your career you've never been finished who's the toughest guy though that you've ever faced John. John Lineker was the toughest fight. Yeah, that was the worst headache I've ever had in my entire life afterwards. Uh, Man. He he wasn't hitting me clean on the front of my face, but he was hitting me clean on the outside of my ears. And, like, uh, 
that hurt. And uh, yeah, I, I, I was in Florida. I planned on spending a couple of days after in Florida and I did, but I couldn't do anything, man. Right. I was excited to go to the beach and hang out, but like even being in the sun kind of sucked. So uh, yeah, John's, John's been the toughest fight for sure. Certainly a worthy answer uh, to that question. Uh, we'll see if Aljamain Sterling can change that answer. All right, buy or sell that Henry Cejudo returns to MMA competition in 2021 or sooner? Uh, I think it's going to depend how successful that dude gets outside of this. Yeah. I think if uh, I think if he can find some gig where he's doing well, uh, I think I think Henry likes attention. I think if he can if he can find some type of being in the spotlight type of thing that's making him good money, I think that he'll stick with that. And if that's not working out for him, then he'll definitely be back. Do you still train in the gi regularly? No, never. It's okay. a, it's a if it's a different sport. Uh, or it feels like a much different sport than MMA jiu-jitsu. So to be honest with you, I don't even really do a lot of jiu-jitsu without gloves and punches. Yeah. Um, so when I do roll, I'm, I'm usually always wearing gloves and I'm usually always either punching or having the other person punch me. That way I don't get too lackadaisical with all of that. Right. All right do you like more. that, Kenny? Is that, an okay? <laughs> Is that good advice? <laughs> yeah, I was the okay, same yeah. way, man. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because you get used to grabbing the gi, and it's a different game. People are trying to hit you, you know? You want to get used to that, so, yeah. It, it's different, too, with the uh, – if they can stand up, it changes jiu-jitsu completely. If Absolutely. their goal is to stand up, it changes everything completely. So, in terms of going from brown to black belt, is that uh, goal put on hold, or are there other ways to get that black belt? Or do you already have a black belt, and your UFC bio is not up to date? I'm going for gold belts, man. I don't care about <laughs> right, black right. belts, dude. I'm trying to get some gold belts. The black okay, belt right. isn't the black belt isn't going anywhere. The gold right. ones are going somewhere. Right. Those are the right. ones I'm shooting right. for. That's a fucking brilliant answer. All right, fact or fiction, Keith Peterson, the no-nonsense Keith Peterson, was in the right to stop the Cejudo Cruz fight when he did. Yeah, good question. Not the worst, not the best that I've seen. Um, if it was me, yeah, let it let it keep going. Right. Um, but I see the argument. Um, I have no idea. You know, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. All right. Last thing. If you could have any food or beverage in the world waiting in your Vegas hotel room after you knock Aljamain Sterling out cold on June 6th, what would it be? <laughs> I'm going to tell him you said that, John. You can, I think <laughs> no, he's a no. listener. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, any food or beverage, uh, we're definitely going to have some beers afterwards, and we'll probably have some, uh, I don't know, it depends how scummy we want to get, man. We, <laughs> might order, we might order some McDonald's. I don't know, man. We might be digging in that, that low trench, you know? <laughs> well, hey, man, you certainly <laughs> will have earned it. I think anybody who's been sort of watching you from afar, we've admired the way you've handled yourself, and we've been waiting for you to get this big fight, and now it's upon us, and we wish you all the best with it. On Instagram, you can find Corey at Enter the Sandman 135 Corey Sanhagen. You can watch him on pay-per-view June 6th against Aljamain Sterling. Appreciate a few minutes, my man. Look forward to uh, giving you a little elbow bump when I see you in Vegas. Thanks so much, Corey. Yeah, cool. I'll see you in a couple weeks. And, uh, Kenny, it was nice meeting you. I've been a big fan for a long time, man. Thanks so much, dude. Good luck. Yep. Oh, see care, you guys. Dude. All right. There he is. UFC Bantamweight contender, Corey Sandhagen. A lot of Ken Flow fans out there. Got to make Crazy. you feel a little bit better turning 40 fucking four tomorrow. <laughs> when I tell my twin brother that Ken Flow's 44, you know, um, but it's got to make you feel good. All these young guys fucking shout you out, you know, that, that's cool that they were watching me when they were about three or five. That's great. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so old, dude. There's certain people, but it's, it's great. Like people like. Yeah, I don't think I was watching when you were fighting. Or yeah, I think I remember I was in you know elementary school. You're like ah, okay, right? Well, like I mean, 
I was <laughs> I was bar mitzvahed before Corey Sanhagen was born. He was born in 1992. <laughs> I mean, crazy. They, they look at us as just like fucking fossils, grumpy old men, fucking fossil. <laughs> Speaking of which, we got to get out of here. Thanks to our guests this week, Corey Sanhagen, Calvin Cater, The Usual Suspects, Longo, Ian Parker, our producers, TJ DeSantis and Cody Barrow. Next week, back in the usual slot, we'll recap UFC Fight Night, Woodley versus Burns, and then we got a pay-per-view week show for you, full preview with predictions for UFC 250, Nunez versus Spencer. If you want one of those sweatshirts that Ken Flo's wearing, all you got to do is go to anacoriumpodcast.com. And you can use the special code ANIC15 for 15% off all this week. With that, for Ken Flom, John Anna, thank you all for watching, listening, subscribing. Have a great week. Enjoy the fights on Saturday. Don't text and drive. We'll talk to you next Monday. Go later.